Lionel Messi leaves Barcelona after umpteen years. Olympic athletes leave Tokyo, some happy and some in tears. Yes, it is not a poetry session. We are still here though with our fun facts, a few really crazy ones at that. Weird news, word origins, intense competition and special questions of course for those lucky few who brave it out till the very end. Welcome to our weekly podcast. I'm Ratin Basu and with me is the ever happy and extremely good looking Jai Bhattacharya and this is Fact of the Matter. Now before I say hello to Joy, I want to inform all of you that Mr. Bhattacharya in course of the last few days has been spending a lot of time in the city of Joy. Uh, not a pun. It's, he was in Calcutta, which is called the City of Joy, and he spent a lot of time, if one were to believe his social media uh, posts, uh, having good food, catching up with old friends, and doing everything except hard work, from what it seems. Joy, were you actually doing all this, or there is a, there is a certain rumor going around town that uh, you were negotiating the possibility of getting uh, Lionel Messi to be a part of East Bengal Football Club next season? What's the story? I I have to tell you, Ratin, thanks. Firstly, by calling me good-looking. Our show is called Fact of the Matter. Let's stick to facts. I'm not good-looking. I'm extremely <laughs> good-looking. <laughs> okay, even I can't oh, swallow oh that God. myself. Yes. But, uh, but the truth of it is that I had the deal in hand. I had the deal in hand. Messi was coming. At the last minute, he said that the red and gold uniform does not suit his complexion, so he wanted to play for another team. I mean, what could I do? That's the time that I actually finally gave up. Unbelievable, unbelievable. There was also um, a, a second rumor going around town about the fact that you were you were apparently in Calcutta to negotiate a, a Bengali movie which would have Neera Chopra in the main uh, lead. Um, I didn't know which one to believe. Uh, I would stay away from the second one, I would imagine right now. Um, but yes, always good to have you, Joy. But talking of Messi and Barcelona, fans of Barcelona's crying daylight robbery today as Messi moves on to Paris Saint-Germain. And talking of robbery, today we'll shift our attention to bandits, thugs, robbers and outlaws in our main course. We will have some sensational stories and then Joy will introduce us to some really interesting news tidbits and believe it or not, we will move into word origins where we shall try and find out some nice and interesting sporting phrases and how they came about. And of course, we'll have our favorite sections, bare naked lies where we fight each other and try and beat each other with interesting questions, which the answer to which could be true or false and also finish up with our audience question like every other week from Joy. So to start off, in main course, our first section, I want to bring in Joy here with one very, very key question. Joy, why are we talking about bandits and thugs this week? Well, it's uh, it's a birthday today of uh, Fulan Devi, you know, who's one of the most charismatic characters that you'll ever come across. And, oh, you know, wow. all of us have seemed to have heard of Fulan Devi's life, but we really don't know what she's all about. Born in 1963, married at the age of 11. Of course, at that age, she didn't go to her husband, Putilal Malla's house. She goes at 16. He beats her up. He really, you know, tortures her physically, emotionally, and then throws her out. So she comes back home in 1979, 16-year-old girl, thrown out of the house she's married to. Mm -hmm. And she joins this group of dacoits. This chap called Babu Gujar picks her up and takes her away. And then apparently treats her really badly. Uh, Vikram Malla, who's the second in the command of the gang, shoots him. And then baby, basically 
Vikram Malla and Phoolan Devi become a thing. And wow. then after that, you know, they they just cut a wide swath and she comes back to the village. Uh, she gets caught once. They really treat her badly. Again, she runs away. She comes back, takes her revenge in a place called Bemai. And Vikram Malla, who was her first lover, told some told her something which she really believed in. She says, if you he told her that if you kill one person, you could possibly be tried for murder. If you kill 20, they'll ask you to surrender and you'll give up your arms in a ceremony where the chief minister will be there. And that's exactly what happens. And I want to add on to that. If you if you kill a few hundred, then you might go on to a position in higher office. I mean, I'm not getting specific for obvious reasons, but yeah. you think you think that also could? Because I think she ended up being a member of parliament, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. She she goes on to become a member of parliament, not once, twice from Mirzapur for the Samajwadi party. And then in her second term, she gets shot by this chap called Sher Singh Rana, who is apparently taking revenge for the Bahamai massacre. Wait, okay. so there are two things, there are two tracks to this I have to tell you. One track is that this guy Sher Singh Rana is a crazy guy. So Sher Singh Rana shoots her, gets arrested, goes to jail, escapes. So he, a friend of his, dressed up as a police constable, comes into jail and takes him as if he's going to court and they run away. Okay. And once he runs away, before he gets caught, he claims that he has gone to Kandahar. Okay. And he's gone to Kandahar and he's found the remains of Prithviraj Chauhan and he's bringing it back to India. And he claims this <laughs> complete cock and bull story about how Prithviraj Chauhan's remains are in Kandahar and he's brought it back. And his mother says he's a hero. He's not a murderer. He's an absolute hero. So that's one track, which is absolutely crazy. I mean, it's sh- straight out of that Sherlock Holmes suite called Sigerson. Yes. It's exactly like that. Vikram Malla disappears. Sorry. Uh, Sher Singh Rana disappears and suddenly finds, you know, the goes into Kandahar and finds the remains of Prithviraj Chauhan. It's, it's, it's a completely amazing story. I mean, two, two things I would say. One is uh, when you say Fulan Devi, it immediately sets my mind back to the movie Bandit Queen, uh, again, uh, directed by our, our very own iconic uh, Shekhar Kapoor, which uh, had Seema Biswas playing uh, the role of Fulan Devi. And interestingly, it was also, I think, uh, our, again, a very big actor today, Manoj Vajpayee's uh, one of his early movies, if not a debut, if I'm not mistaken. Right? Um, yeah, or, in or fact, at- Manoj, Manoj, no. I don't think it's a debut, but it was one of his early, early movies. Roles. He yeah. was actually supposed to, yeah, he was supposed to play Vikram Mala, who's the first bandit. Of right. course, Vikram Mala dies and then Man Singh becomes Fulan Devi's lover. He ends up playing Fulan Devi's second lover, Man Singh, and Nirmal Pandey becomes Vikram Mala. But the two interesting parts to it is, one is that, uh, you know, they were all sitting in the sets and some of the other actors, Shorif Sikla, saw this really shady looking man in the sets. And he said, who is he? And ah. it turned out it was the real decoit Man Singh, who had already surrendered by then, who was sort of teaching oh, yeah. Manoj Vajpayee the ropes of how to act. Exactly <laughs> like it is in The Godfather, remember? Exactly. You know? Exactly. Correct. Correct. No, this is incredible. This is incredible. And, you know, you have so many stories about decoits in India, right? I mean, Bollywood, uh, if you go through the 50s and 60s, you had many of our leading heroes uh, playing the role of decoits. But this was a more gritty, real life, a more realistic approach to showing uh, how decoits fared. And, you know, the Chambal uh, area, the Chambal Valley and the uh, entire northern Madhya Pradesh area and India, I think, which is which gives rise to this entire uh, you know, the, the glamour and the romance about the coitry. I think the movie Bandit Queen and Fulan Devi's life 
must have or will still remain as one of the iconic stories. But yeah, I, I love the Kandahar connection, by the way. Prithvi Raj Chauhan, unbelievable. And that's, I mean, this, this man should be freed and, you know, uh, given a special show all by himself. I'm sure he can make up even more sensational stuff if you just give him a glass of wine to kickstart the evening. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the other interesting thing about it is Foolan Devi, there's a yeah. book on her life called Bandit Queen in 1994. Right. They go, uh, and I think it was uh, London Weekend Television, or I think it's one of the British channels who decided to make the film on her life. They funded it. And the truth is, they did not pay her a single penny. They just paid for the rights of the book. And oh. that's a crazy thing. So Foolan Devi turns around and says, how dare you make a film about my life without right. actually involving me? Arundhati Roy gets involved in it and says, look, you're just glamorizing rape and you're taking advantage of her. Right. She goes for a hunger strike. And then I think it was Channel 4. Channel 4 actually pays her 40,000 pounds and then she said, it's okay. But can you imagine in this day and age, litig litigation-wise, starting a film about somebody living without yeah. even taking the rights from that person? Perfect. It's absolutely unbelievable. But it happened even in the 90s. I would I would like to think what Fulan Devi's... Uh... Twitter handle would have been if she was alive today. I mean, it, it, that would be interesting. Yeah, that would be interesting. Anyway, talking of bandits, since you um, told me to look at some interesting examples from my side, I went deep in and I found out this uh, exceptional story again about a lady. Uh, and this is not a, uh, this lady is not a bandit per se. I would probably define her more as an outlaw. And uh, this is a lady who actually um, lived in the Wild West in the late 19th century in the United States of America. Now, born in Canada in 1871, this lady called Pearl Hart came from a very good family, attended an exclusive school, but because of her sense of adventure more than school, at the tender age of 17, she eloped to Chicago with a gambler called Frederick Hart. They got married, but Frederick was very abusive and, and Pearl Hart left him at age of 22 after five years of marriage. But then she made her way to Arizona, which is where things become really exciting, where she met a miner named Joe Boot. So she got the boot, technically. When Boot couldn't make enough from his mining job, the two of them turned to robbery. So what they did, again, something very normal. They developed a routine where Pearl would lure a man into her room and then Boot would whack the unsuspecting gentleman on the head and they would get robbed. And she, that person would get robbed. However, this was a risky play and they almost got you know, got caught on a couple of occasions, but managed to escape. In 1899, something changed. They developed a plan to rob a stagecoach. More money and less risk. So Pearl Hart cut her hair, dressed as a man, boot held up the driver, and they took away princely sum of $400 from all the passengers. But having a, you know, being good souls, if they were to be believed, they gave a little bit of the money back to make sure that the victims had enough money for food and hotel. And then they rode gallantly away into the sunset, which sounds like how a perfect outlaw movie would end. Outlaws with a heart of gold. Yeah. But, <laughs> but this is where the fun starts. What happens next? Nobody writes a movie about this. They got lost in the desert with 390 odd dollars. After several days of wandering, <laughs> I can't believe that. I can't believe it. <laughs> After several days' joy of wandering around, they had to sleep because they didn't know what to do. When they woke up, they saw the sheriff and his posse in front. They were caught a mere three miles from the scene of the crime. And till this day, it is known that 
they were the first people who were caught after robbing a stagecoach and Pearl Hart was the first woman who was caught after robbing a stagecoach. She was actually the second, but the first one was shot and killed. So she was the first one who was caught alive. Now, things don't end there. While she was being tried for her crimes, to the judge, she uttered this famous phrase, which I think was a clarion call for feminism. I shall not consent to be tried under a law in which my sex had no voice in making. Unfortunately, the judge didn't give a damn and she was tried and convicted anyway. But she became very famous in Arizona. Journalists came from all over to interview and photograph her with a gun. After 18 months, and Joy, this is incredible. She received a pardon. The official reason given was that the prison did not have accommodations for women. So I don't know what she did for 18 months, but the rumor is that she was pregnant and the judge didn't want to have to explain how that happened during her solo incarceration <laughs> in prison. <laughs> After being released, you know, she went on to act in Wild West shows, but, you know, lived a pretty simple, uh, easy life. But, you know, she is legendary. And apparently she even featured in an episode of a TV show in 1960 called Tales of Wells Fargo. So incredible story. I mean, real life outlaw, full of fun, full of adventure. I mean, you talk of Amelia Earhart and, you know, many such examples of feisty ladies who in those days would actually go out and do whatever they felt like. This is another example, isn't it, Joy? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, there's a very interesting, you said something about, you know, her likely to be pregnant. In England, you know, till even till the 20th century, yeah. there was a rule called pleading your belly. That means basically, if you were a convict, if you were a female convict, Mm-hmm. And you were supposed to be hanged or killed because of, you know, for whatever crime you've committed, you could actually plead your belly. That means if you're pregnant, they could not kill you. And this was used wow. by a couple of pirates. I remember, I think there was a pirate called Annie Bonnie okay. who used this rule to survive. And they must have been desperate, you know, before you're getting caught saying, boss, now I really need to do something about it because this is the only thing that will save me. And it did save her. I mean, if, if, you know, if Clint Eastwood and Lee Van Cleef and Ellie Wallach, they, what they did for Wild West movies, I think uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise did for Pirates, right? I mean, you know, that, that visual representation of Tortuga, which was supposedly the capital of the Pirates uh, somewhere in the Caribbean, right? That made me really feel nostalgic and adventurous. I remember when I saw it. I mean, if you were to live a roaring life, that is where you would live. And guess who was there? I mean, Keith Richards was there in a bit role. The man who is probably <laughs> as close to a real-life pirate as uh, one can ever imagine, right? Keith Richards as, as uh, Johnny Depp's totally dad. Agree. As Johnny Depp's dad, if I'm not mistaken, right? That, that was what he was, or whatever. Anyways, that was a fantastic story. That was um, us about uh, bandits, pirates. Um, sometime in another episode, Joy, we should definitely... Uh, touch base on the concept of thugs and how the word thug came up about the thuggy cult in India. That will definitely need another full story um, because I thought I was doing my research and I found that also very, very interesting. So we'll keep that for another day. Uh, uh, or you want to yeah, say something? I have to tell you, Ratin, that no, no, no. I just have to tell you, Ratin, that uh, the Bhattacharyas traditionally are priests of Kali temples. And Kali temples is where the thug used to be frequented by the thuggies. So I think some ancestor of mine has definitely, definitely performed the rites for thuggies. So yeah, I, I, I want to tell I, those stories I, as well, but I another wish, day. I, I wish you had uh, 
you know, said this to me earlier, I would have spoken to Steven Spielberg. <laughs> um, and, you know, maybe Amrish Puri uh, could have been replaced by you in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, right? Because that was that would have been perfect for you then as the, as the priest, as the maniacal priest in uh, Indiana Jones. But then again, you know, maybe there's still time. Maybe there's still time. But that's it. That's, that's main course for this episode. And we'll quickly move into our next section, which is incredibly interesting. Why? Because it's believe it or not. And here we have some amazing stories, which I will kick off today. And my story is from the Olympics. Now, remember, we are coming out of the Olympic Games. We had a sensational, sensational um, 15 days in Tokyo uh, in the backdrop of the coronavirus. It has been a fantastic Games. But in the equestrian event, Joy Bharacharya, something amazing happened. There was a life-size statue of a sumo wrestler, which was placed in the jumping, in the show jumping arena. And for no, no reason, it must have been just like, just put there because it symbolizes something from Japan, right? But apparently four or five horses got spooked at the moment of jumping or clearing that obstacle. It was obstacle number 10 for those who want details. And as a result, British writer Harry Charles first said that, you know, um, I did notice four or five horses really, you know, getting a, getting spooked. And as you come around, you see a big guy's butt, which is true. The sumo wrestler is hunkered down on his on his knees. And uh, Charles added, but he qualified for the second round. But you know, a lot of riders and jumpers started saying, "It's like an Israeli rider said, it's very realistic. It does look like a person that's a little spooky." You know, horses don't want to see a guy like looking intense next to a jump, looking like he's ready to fight you. And you know, this got reported by Reuters and others saying that the statue is apparently rattling some horses, and you know, a few pairings even stop short of the barrier. Now, I don't know if. You know, uh, this problem happened to everybody, but at the end of the day, there was so much of news that the authorities and I think the jumping uh, uh, officials decided to remove it uh, just to, you know, kill it. But sumo wrestlers during an equestrian, I thought that was a fantastic, fantastic story, a really funny one. Do you have a funny Olympic story, Joy? No, I don't have. I just, I just want to add to your story that you know the guys did this, and the reason that they did this was 2016 Rio Olympics. A uh, question was quite normal. Okay. But in 2012, if you go and look at the question jumping in 2012, they did some amazing obstacles. Okay. So they had an obstacle the shape of a moon, you know, a crescent moon. Right. They had an obstacle that looked exactly like a chessboard. They had an obstacle that looked like a castle. Right. They had one that looked like a vegetable cart. And right. in the water jump, they had one that looked like a barge. So I think that's where they were inspired. But, but I think a big sumo wrestler is not the best idea. Having said that, you know, I love equestrian events for one thing. It's the only Olympic event where men and women actually compete equally. It's not that there are two events, separate events for men or women. Right. They all compete together at the same place. And that's, I find that totally cool. That is totally cool. And what I want to say is that Going forward, let's hope we see more and more events. We already have uh, mixed events now in um, sports like archery and shooting, which I think is a great, great move to actually make it more, uh, you know, make the formats more exciting to watch, you know, because people have been used to watching, you know, normal sporting events year in and year out. So I think that's a, that's a fantastic move. And hopefully, um, you know, if ever, let's say, uh, card games like bridge, 
comes to the Olympic Games, you might actually see mixed teams there as well, Joy, from what I remember, right? I mean, uh, that, that, could, that could well be another example. But uh, I thought, you know, <laughs> sumo wrestlers, smoking horses, that was fantastic. If you ever have a big uh, equestrian event in Mumbai, Joy, how about having cutouts of Bollywood villains at each jump point? I mean, what, would a horse get spooked if they saw... Uh, Prem Chopra or Shakti Kapoor or Amrish Puri or, you know, or, or would you rather have heroes and heroines? I mean, imagine uh, no. Zina Taman in from, you know, uh, Ram Teri Ganga Maili. Oh, sorry. That's not. That's uh, Zina. No, no. Zina is, Taman is from. Uh, that's Mandakini. Mandakini is Zina Taman from Hare Ram Hare Krishna. Right. I mean, would you. Look, if you do. Well, I, I can only tell you that if you do that, I'm, I'm, I don't know about the horses, but the riders might get distracted. I'm not worried about the horses. Then. <laughs> I'm certainly not worried about the horses. Anyways, we can carry on on that. But that brings us to the end of uh, Believe It or Not, our funny news section. I hope you liked it. Um, and we will take a very, very small break. But before we go into the break, it, it's time now to remind you that Fact of the Matter, our weekly podcast is now not only available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, but we are also now available on a few other podcast platforms like Stitcher and Repod. So if you are used to listening to your favorite podcasts on these platforms, please look out for Fact of the Matter with Ratin and Joy. And we would love to see you hear all our episodes, which should be stacked in an array in each of these platforms. Please write to us at factofthematterindia at gmail.com. That's our uh, episode email address. If you have feedback, if you have any ideas of, um, you know, areas where you want us to focus on or subjects you want us to speak about, you know, any positive or negative feedback and so on and so forth. We would love to hear from you. We are already getting a lot of feedback from a lot of you. We are very happy to hear from you, but carry on. And keep writing into us. We will come back after a very, very short break. Welcome back. As promised before, we will now move into our next section, which is called Cute Words and Phrases. Now, it's a, it's a name which I have given, let me confess, and Joy, before you make a face again, unless you come up with a better or, an, or you know, better alternate name, I think we'll go with this. What do we do? We will try and talk about some interesting phrases or words and go into the origin of those and see if it makes for a nice story. Joy, what's your cute word for this episode? I don't have a cute word. I have a whole lot of phrases from one particular sport. Okay. So, you know, we all know that boxing has brought a lot of phrases into the English language. Right. But the number of phrases it has brought, I just couldn't believe. So, for example, you have phrases like take it in the chin, which you can always understand, you know, yes. taking a blow on the chin and surviving. Right. Beat someone to the punch. Okay. 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 Below the belt when you're unfair. Yeah. Blow by blow account, which is from a boxing commentators. On the ropes, when you're, you know, you're being pushed on, right. punch drunk, you've been hit so hard that, you know, you don't know what you're doing. Right. Roll with the punches. That means, you know, saving bad situations. And the two I want to talk about is one of the things that we never knew about was 
one of the phrases that we use very very often is saved by the bell right and saved by the bell basically comes from a boxer being totally beaten up and he just somehow survives because he manages to hold on till the bell goes for 3 minutes and he can go back and get some rest in his second can wipe him out and saved by the bell is also a boxing phrase and i just i was just amazed that one sport has given so many words so many phrases to the english language so i'm glad you're talking about sport and phrases coming from the world of sport but before i move into my word i'll add to what you said and this is why word origins are so interesting so there's a uh, a story i have heard about saved by the bell and that is that apparently in in middle uh, in, in in medieval times um people who would uh, let's say die of plague in villages etc and when medical help was not readily available or was not good enough for people to survive a lot of people who were presumed dead would be left you know in the middle of the road and then they would be taken for mass burial now some of these people were alive and sometimes it would happen that after they had been buried they would come out a few hours later and you know burrow out of the earth and then frighten the shit out of everybody and as a result there was apparently a a process which was developed where a small bell was tied to one of their toes and if there was any movement during the process of burial for one of these you know unfortunate uh, souls then from that sound they would understand that there may be there is still some life left now this is a story i've heard and apparently saved by the bell comes from that but just goes to show either of them sound plausible and either of them could actually be the true story or it could well be a combination like we have discussed on many cases before yeah. but yeah right so that that's yeah that's, yeah in fact in fact in fact i read about this and you know it is true that there is there was a fear a huge fear in medieval times that you know you'll be buried alive exactly so one of the things is you know the irish uh this have this system called the wake yes what's a wake wake is everyone getting around and drinking correct so the wake original irish wake started just for this saying you know when the body is there you keep the body right and you keep drinking so that by chance if he revives you guys are around to see it so you would extend that wake all night long to say that he's actually dead but saved by bell you're absolutely right i've also read about this but uh, they say that the origin is boxing but hey fantastic interesting enough both are yeah. both are absolutely fascinating that's, that's it so my um, word for today or in fact my phrase for today is also from the world of sport now before i think we should clarify because it's been a very heady two weeks of sporting action whether be from the world of football or cricket or olympics that's why we are probably uh, you know veering a little bit for this episode towards sport but hey it's still an interesting interesting uh, uh, proposition so hear me out now over the years many individual people's names have added a lot of color to australian english vocabulary examples you know dame nelly melba the famous uh, opera singer gave the name to uh, peach melba a dish then baron lamington was the governor of queensland lent his name to a cake which is called a lamington and then there was uh, the example of maria smith a gardener famously known as granny smith from which granny smith apples come into uh, you know the english language but the most exciting one i found was a former australian olympian joy called steven bradbury and he has given a phrase called to do a bradbury in australian english which becomes or which means the unlikely winner of a contest or to accidentally achieve success now why does this happen what happened was steven bradbury was a short track speed skater 
And in the Winter Olympics in 2002 in Salt Lake City, Utah, so the US, he was participating in the 1000 meters short track event. He had no chance of winning. Nobody gave him a chance. Nobody back home in Australia. I don't think he himself thought he had a massive chance. In the first heat, he won because there were many, many participants and you clear the heat. But everybody thought after the heat, that's it. He's not going to progress any further. His quarterfinal draw included two of the world's best skaters at that time, and only two would qualify to the semis. Bradbury finished third, true to form. But one of the place getters, as in one and two, was disqualified for obstruction. Therefore, Bradbury became second and qualified for the semifinals. Didn't register too much beyond, okay, you got lucky once. In the semifinal, he was at the back of the pack and it looked like he was finally out of the race and he would come back home. But three other skaters in front of him fell down and he managed to finish second and secured a berth in the final. So twice bitten, okay, maybe twice lucky, fine. Five skaters, final happening. Bradbury, last in the pack. Then in spectacular style, guess what happened? Four skaters crashed and <laughs> fell on the last corner. This is incredible. Bradbury passed a pileup of four skaters on the ground, took the gold, a legend was born, and the term to do a Bradbury was very quickly established in Aussie vernacular, but continues to be used today. I thought this was amazing <laughs> to do a Bradbury. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, amazing. You know, that guy's got a gold medal. And Absolutely. think of all guys like Milka Singh, Peter Usha's thinking. Correct. All their lives they've run and they've never come, you know, they've just come that fourth place. And yeah, Bradbury does it. I mean, <laughs> no, yeah. fascinating. <laughs> yes, BT Usha, Milka Singh, Aditi Ashok, to all the famous fourth place finishers in Olympic history. Deepa this Karmakar. Is, uh, Deepa, Deepa, Karmakar. Deepa Karmakar in gymnastics. Absolutely. This is a brilliant story. This is a story which should bring a laugh. I know it, you know, you, you're you've all done very well um in Indian Olympic history. And you have you have, you know, you have your place in, in Aditi's place and Deepa's place, you still have time, and I'm sure you'll do very well. But this I thought was an Incredible, incredible story. It is. It is a good story. It's a good one, Ratin. And I'm going to finish off with something because you mentioned Aditya Ashok. I'm going to mention something to do with her. You know, okay. these are terms that, you know, a lot of people who were not interested in golf the last couple of days, you know, there were some words that they started learning. Okay. And where did these words come from? Well, let me tell you. So, birdie eagle albatross that means one under par two under par for a whole three under par where did yep. they start well in 1903 there was a actually a golf match and there was a guy playing called abner smith and okay. it was the atlantic city country club in the united states of america and he was playing and abner smith this is how he describes it he said my ball came to rest within six inches of the cup right i said that was a bird of a shot I suggest when one of us plays a hole in one under par, he receives double compensation. The other <laughs> two agreed and we began right away, just as soon as the next one to call it a birdie. Right. So that's how birdie happened. Now what happens? What's bigger than a small birdie? Because, you know, birdie, you mean a small little bird. An eagle. So eagle is two under par. And when you can do three under par, you need a massive bird, 12 foot wingspan. What do you have? You have an albatross. Oh. So an albatross <laughs> is three under par. And that's how birdie, eagle, all these terms came into our language. And in fact, even now they have a plaque out there at this Atlantic City Country Club commemorating the fact that that's where these terms were invented. 
and that's why when we followed aditi ashok these terms became so so many indians who never followed golf i know ratan you play a lot of golf but that's where a lot of other indians learned about these terms i think you're absolutely right i mean i have to just mention this that um, when aditi ashok was playing and especially during a final round in the uh, in the olympic ladies golf event uh, she was with you know the world number 1 uh, nelly korda and lydia ko uh, uh, lpga you know uh, number 1 herself for many many years she not only held her own um she did she did spectacularly and resulted in um hundreds and millions of people uh getting onto social media and actually watching her and trying to understand what this game is all about because you have, you have to understand golf is not a game which you can simply follow if you're watching it for the first time on television because there are technical nuances which you have to you know get to terms with before you start understanding and then you know loving the game so i thought she's done a lot for golf and hopefully fingers crossed she goes goes on to do you know better and better in future games but that brings us to the end of words cute words and phrases our discussions on word origins and that's it that's it no more fun this time we are serious we move into bare naked lies our section where we'll ask each other one question and just to recap joy has been beating the pants off me over the last couple of episodes he's been researching well and finding his feet when it comes to fooling me and today i think i have a question which might make him think differently my question to you joy bhattacharya in bare naked lies episode 6 is this there's a term called aerial ping pong this is a term which is used by followers or even players of rugby league in australia as a derisive way of referring to another variation of rugby which is played in australia called aussie rules football also known as aussie rules because there is a lot of kicking of the ball in the air catching it and then kicking it further it seems like aerial ping pong but it's not said in in a happy context it's more in a in a derisive context it's more like you know it's not a serious game this you guys play aerial ping pong whereas we rugby league players we play the serious game true or false well i one of my best friends and a former boss of mine was a man called ray hume and he came from queensland which is you know the more northern territories and his yes. wife came from new south wales which is where they play more this australian rules football so correct hey i like i mean ray would use a term like that i like aerial ping pong i'm going to go yes you're saying it's true and you are correct my goodness this continues <laughs> okay i'm ready what's your question okay in the 1912 olympics in stockholm okay pistol dueling is an event You know what dueling is. You know, with of pistols course. or swords, you sort of walk and you sort of try and shoot each other. Right. So, pistol dueling was an event in the 1912 Stockholm Olympics. True or false? It can't be true. You can't be dueling in the Olympic Games. I mean, what happens when there is a final going on? You have only two people left and about 30 dead <laughs> bodies around you. Impossible. False. <laughs> you're you're playing the you know you're you're trying to fool me here. I, I don't believe you. False. <laughs> okay. Okay, you have to believe this. I mean, I, I actually I should give you half points for that. It is false in the sense that no! they weren't actually killing each other, but 
<laughs> there was an event called pistol dueling and instead of shooting at each other they had mannequins to shoot at so oh they would take up their guns and walk three steps backwards or 10 steps backwards turn around and shoot at a mannequin and those mannequins were dressed in frock coats with targets painted on their chest and that's what pistol dueling was it was an actual event in the olympics i can't believe somebody thought this up i wish i could have uh, a few friends who were into olympics shooting because i would then send them over to your home um, if you <laughs> remember in one of the previous episodes um, we were talking about cyber snooping maybe you know send some snoops over with real guns and try and see if i can get one over you that away but you know the truth is the truth the lie is a lie you have managed to fool me again and you win 2-0 so you are now 3 up after losing the first two if i remember correctly or maybe losing one so 3-1 is the score right now my goodness and the series will continue i am going to like richard gasquet and like vitas gerolitis keep fighting keep fighting and one day i shall win robert bruce <laughs> i am with you mate anyways um that brings us to the end of bare naked lies and we will now get into what all you tired listeners must be waiting for the audience question joy what was your question last week so my question last week was who ended up fifth in the modern pentathlon but only would have won the gold medal if he hadn't been 21st out of 32 shooters in the shooting contest and he claimed that his bullet had gone through a hole which was already there from another bullet and his bullet was not counted it was said to be outside and the answer is general george patton the man who was wow. one of the heroes of the american army in the second world war yeah. patton tanks are named after him really the answer was general george patton yeah yeah i mean george patton olympian not bad fantastic that's such a lovely story and um let's see who's got it correct um in the leaderboard we have three names tapas tiwari once again for the third time in succession comes onto the leaderboard has, has answered this correctly but we have two new uh faces joining him on the leaderboard pranay mishra and shantanu sharma who also got it correct we've had many other uh, attempts some of them are correct some are incorrect but these three are the first three to make it to the leaderboard so keep on um answering these questions and joy what's your question for this week okay this one is nothing to do with sport because i think we've had an overdose of sport but it's to do with awards and i think we are talking a lot about awards nowadays Here's my question. It's rare for a brand name to remain in the name of an award and a ceremony after a new brand becomes a sponsor. I mean think if Vivo if Pepsi IPL was there can you imagine Vivo calling it the Vivo Pepsi IPL? Never. So it doesn't happen yeah. normally. Correct. But there is a famous example in international awards where the name of the original award givers the sponsor of the original awards before them mm-hmm. is still there in the name. That means the previous sponsor who was there who sponsored this award okay their name is still there in the awards and the new name of the new sponsor is there before them which wow. international award is this we've all heard of it fantastic so if you know the answer to this question from joy please send us that answer to factofthematterindia@gmail.com i repeat once again it's factofthematterindia@gmail.com Please follow us once again on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and now additionally on Repod and Stitcher to new podcast platforms where we are available. 
I hope you liked this episode and this edition of Fact of the Matter. Keep writing into us, send us your feedback, and we promise that next week we shall come back and I shall bring our very own special good-looking avatar Joy Bhattacharya with me to regale you with more crazy facts, more weird news, and more word origins. Till then, goodbye. <laughs>